This program is brought to you by the Practicing Law Institute, a nonprofit learning organization dedicated to keeping attorneys, professionals, and accountants at the forefront of knowledge and expertise. Hello, Insecurities listeners. It's good to be with you again as we get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Over the years, we've tried to cover the waterfront from a securities regulatory and enforcement perspective. In addition to our regular conversations about all things SEC, we've focused on a number of self-regulatory organizations, or SROs, and other quasi-regulatory organizations that operate in the securities markets, like our conversations with Senior Brass and FINRA Enforcement, our conversation with a former PCAOB policymaker, and our conversation with the GC of the North American Securities Administrators Association better known as The Other NASA. Those episodes are available, of course, wherever you find podcasts or at pli.edu slash insecurities. But notably missing from our catalog, at least until today, is a conversation about the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, or MSRB, a regulator that oversees the $4 trillion municipal bond market in the United States. We're going to learn about the MSRB and some of their strategic and policy goals from MSRB CEO Mark Kim today on Insecurities. Hello and welcome to the Insecurities Podcast, keeping it fresh and staying wonky on the latest securities, regulatory, and enforcement developments, with a practitioner's perspective on the stories you should be following. As always, I'm Chris Ekimoff, and I'm here with my co-host, Kurt Wolf. Good to be with you, Chris, as always. I'm excited as ever for today's episode. I, I think it's it's sort of funny, like, you know, we've mentioned the MSRB in passing, often in the context of a conversation about the SEC or FINRA, but just like I was surprised when we didn't have a FINRA-focused episode until, what was that, like 50 maybe, yeah, something yep. like that? Late 40s, um, early 50s, uh-huh. Yeah, when we talked to Jessica Hopper. Here we are, we're pretty, we're pretty deep in the catalog, but we're finally gonna talk about the MSRB. We have the absolute best guest to do it today. So I'm excited. But Chris, before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mark Kim? I'd love to. Mark Kim serves as the CEO of the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, or MSRB, which regulates the $4 trillion muni bond market. Prior to MSRB, Mark held various positions in the public and private sectors, including most recently as CFO of DC Water, where he issued municipal bonds to finance the water utilities infrastructure. Previously, Mark served as the Deputy Comptroller for the City of New York and worked in public finance as an investment banker at UBS, Fidelity, and Goldman Sachs. Mark is the recipient of numerous awards, including the Government Finance Officers Association's Excellence in Government Finance Award, the Bond Buyers Deal of the Year Award, and the National Environmental Achievement Award by the National Association of Clean Water Agencies. He is a lawyer by training and a member of the bars in both New York and Washington, D.C. Mark, thanks for joining us on Insecurities. Thank you, Chris and Kurt. It's a pleasure to be here, and and it's really an honor for me to be part of the very first Insecurities podcast featuring the MSRB. So thank you for this opportunity. We're glad to have you, Mark. I'd also like to give a shout out to my 
former accounting professor, Dr. Susan Anders, who called herself the Muni Bond Queen back when we would talk about the specific tax implications of, of investing and in, in purchasing municipal bonds. So, Dr. Anders, I know you're out there listening. This one's for you. That's awesome. All right. So we, we want to uh, get into the weeds a little bit of some of the, the policy goals or the strategic imperatives at the MSRB, but we really want to leave it to Mark to get in the weeds. So what we want to do up front is just give a little bit of a background on what the MSRB is, what they do. For purposes of the episode today, I have shamelessly cribbed from a very helpful video called The Municipal Bond Market and the MSRB. I want to give credit where it's due. Uh, you can find that video and actually a ton of helpful content about the MSRB on their website. It is msrb.org. So with that, here's the backdrop. Municipal bonds play an important role in keeping our communities running. Many of the roads we drive on, the hospitals we depend on, and the schools our children attend exist because of municipal bonds. Because most communities simply cannot afford to finance large-scale public projects with resources on hand, municipal bonds provide much-needed funding for bridges, sewer systems, libraries, roads, and other public facilities. There are three primary participants involved in generating this funding for communities – governments, investors, and financial professionals. The state or local government is the issuer of the bond. These municipalities work with financial professionals, such as dealers and municipal advisors, to get their bonds into the hands of investors, who loan money to the issuers and, in return, receive interest payments. Communities have been financing public projects through municipal bonds since the early 1800s. Over time, participation by communities and investors in the offer and sale of municipal bonds developed into a multi-trillion dollar market. Congress concluded that comprehensive regulation was necessary to protect investors and state and local governments. As a result, the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, or MSRB, was formally established in 1975. The mission of the MSRB is to protect investors, state and local governments, and the public interest by promoting a fair and efficient municipal securities market. The MSRB uses a couple key tools to accomplish its mission, notably regulation and transparency. In terms of regulation, MSRB rulemaking sets the foundation for ensuring a fair and efficient market. MSRB rules and qualification standards hold financial professionals in the municipal market accountable and help prevent fraud and other unfair practices. These rules have the force of federal law. In terms of transparency, the MSRB helps create market transparency by providing widespread access to information about the municipal bond market. To do so, the MSRB operates the Electronic Municipal Market Access website, EMA for short, provides free information on virtually all municipal bond offerings, including real-time trade prices, disclosure documents, and market-wide statistics. Today, more than 50,000 state and local governments issue bonds in the United States, with millions of investors participating in municipal bond ownership. The MSRB helps promote a municipal bond market that is fair, efficient, and sustainable. Like I said, good stuff. It's all there on the website if you need it. But you know, now that everybody's heard way too much of me, why don't we talk to Mark? Yeah, Mark, we want to start off, you know, we're going to jump into a few detailed topics today, but let's start at the top. What Talk to us about the mission of MSRB. Well, I think, Kurt, you had summarized it well, but at its core, our mission is to protect investors, issuers, and the public interest by promoting a fair and efficient market. Now, this is a pretty unique 
mandate that we have from Congress because it includes protecting issuers. And to my knowledge, we are the only capital market where the regulator is charged with protecting the issuer of the security rather than regulating the issuer of the security. Now, of course, the issuers in the muni bond market are largely our state and local governments, and they're funding infrastructure projects in areas like education, healthcare, housing, transportation. These are the public goods and services that directly impact our quality of life in our community. And so when we think about protecting and strengthening the muni bond market, we are enabling access to capital, economic growth, and societal progress in literally tens of thousands of communities across the country. By creating a fair and efficient market, our vision at the MSRB is that we give America the confidence to invest in its communities. You know, Mark, we mentioned up top that the MSRB is an SRO, a self-regulatory organization. So, you know, not an independent agency like the SEC or, or some of the other agencies we hear about or read about in Washington, D.C. Tell us a little bit more about about what that means for the MSRB and, and what falls within its statutory jurisdiction. Being a self-regulatory organization and an SRO is another defining feature of the MSRB and it and it's a really important concept that is embedded across the financial regulation of our capital markets this this idea of self-regulation I think the best way that I might be able to explain that concept and how it applies to the MSRB is to describe what the MSRB is not specifically the MSRB is not part of the federal government the MSRB is not funded by the federal government. We receive no appropriations or any other funding from the federal government. We are financially independent and financed by the market that we regulate and through fees that we assess on the underwriting and sales and trading of municipal bonds. The MSRB is also not governed by the federal government. The MSRB has an independent 15-member board of directors that was established by Congress. Of these 15 members, a majority of our board is required to represent members of the public, including issuers and investors. And of the seven seats on our board, those are reserved for regulated members, including broker-dealers and municipal advisors. Our statutory jurisdiction falls broadly across three categories. The first is in regulation and writing the rules that regulate broker-dealers and municipal advisors. Secondly, Congress mandated that the MSRB establish information systems, which really means technology systems, which is some of the infrastructure or plumbing, if you will, that, that really supports the functioning of the municipal securities market. And finally, our statutory jurisdiction covers the area of the MSRB serving as the central and sole repository of data for the municipal securities market. So again, stepping back broadly speaking, our statutory authority falls in 
those three areas, rules, technology, and data. In that description, Mark, it sounds to me that there is some overlap, right, with a lot of other regulated ideas from issuers, from investors, and, and broker-dealers and other registrants in, in, in FINRA's purview. How does the MSRB collaborate, work alongside, or maybe even conflict with certain activities of the SEC and FINRA? That's an important question, and there sometimes might be some confusion in the marketplace between the roles of these different financial regulators. So collaboration and coordination with other financial regulators is essential. And we work very closely with both securities regulators like the SEC and FINRA, as well as with bank regulators like the Fed, FDIC, OCC, and Treasury as well. The MSRB is a rulemaking body and so the enforcement of our rules, as well as the examination of the entities that we regulate, are outside of our statutory authority. So for those two areas, enforcement and examination, the SEC and FINRA have the responsibility to both enforce our rules and to examine regulated entities. And so you can see how collaboration and coordination is really essential to effective regulation of the municipal securities market. Interestingly, like the MSRB, FINRA is also a rulemaking body, and the SEC has oversight authority and the ability to approve both FINRA and the MSRB's rules. So that's some ways in which the MSRB works with the SEC and FINRA and and the roles of of each of our organizations. That's helpful context. I think, you know, I now understand better where the MSRB fits in this in this space and how it sits alongside in, in some respects the SEC FINRA and, and other securities regulators. You know, now that our, our listeners sort of have that background, let's get a little bit into the weeds on some of the the policy priorities at the MSRB. We'll, we'll just kind of give you an easy one to start. Back in January, the, the board chair and you outlined a number of strategic goals for the MSRB in, in an annual letter. You talked about things like modernizing the rule book, improving the quality of, of data available to the market, and uh, importantly, acting on the MSRB's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But tell us a little bit more, sort of in, in your own words, what are some of the strategic goals that you are pursuing at the MSRB? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to do that. And let me highlight, perhaps with examples, three of our strategic goals and, and the kinds of initiatives that we're looking to do going forward. I'll start with modernizing our rulebook. And the example that I've got is with MSRB Rule G27, which governs supervision. This is a rule that includes the requirement for broker-dealers to do a inspection of all of their offices on an annual basis. It's a fairly standard rule, a supervisory rule, but the pandemic really changed everything because none of us were in our offices during the pandemic. And so here's an example of how we work together with the SEC and FINRA. We jointly provided targeted regulatory relief to broker-dealers, giving them the ability to delay their annual office inspection under, under our rule G27 and, and FINRA's corresponding rule. 
as well. We did that. And now that the pandemic appears to be subsiding and, and, and people are starting to come back into their office, we're, we're realizing that the future of work has possibly changed. And there, there may be an element where people don't come back to the office five days a week. And our rules were really written at a time when the industry worked in offices. Trading was centralized on a trading desk, on the trading floor. Bond salesmen worked on, on, on the floor as well. But during the pandemic, we saw muni bond deals being underwritten from your living room or bonds traders working from their home office. And of course, there would be no way for no practical way for a large securities firm to go do an inspection of everybody's home and meet the requirements of this rule. And so we are going out for comment to better understand how business practices are changing and evolving with respect to the municipal securities market. And our intent is to make sure that we can modernize our rules so that it can, one, remain relevant, and two, reflect current market practices. And so that's really an example of, of how we're trying to modernize our rulebook and, and continue to evolve it in the face of a fairly rapidly evolving market that we regulate. Another one of our strategic goals is around technology. And we are currently in the midst of the largest investment in our history in technology and in modernizing our technology systems. You had mentioned Kurt earlier, Emma, which is our flagship market transparency system. If you need data on the municipal securities market, Emma is where you come to get that data. It's interesting, and, and people are often surprised when I describe the MSRB as a financial regulator and a technology company. But in fact, nearly half of our budget and fully half of our headcount at the MSRB goes towards IT. We actually have more software engineers writing lines of code at the MSRB than we have securities lawyers writing rules and regulations. If you think about the regulation of our capital markets, technology plays a bigger and bigger role. A third strategic goal that I wanted to touch on is around data. As I mentioned earlier, the MSRV serves as the industry's sole and central repository for data. And data is really the lifeblood of capital markets and it's also the future of the MSRB. We're now in a position to start leveraging the investments that we've been making in technology and in cloud computing. New technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing, with the goal of both improving the quality of market data that we have so that we can empower investors to make informed investment decisions. So data is a very, very important strategic goal for the MSRB in the coming years, as is our effort to modernize our rulebook 
and modernize our technology stack. Mark, it sounds like all of that is aligned as well, right? Data, technology, modernization, all moving in the same direction. And, and Kurt may disagree with this, but I think anytime you can have less securities regulatory attorneys in a room and more of any other kind of people, it's probably going to be a more interesting room. I don't know, Kurt, do you have thoughts I, on that? You know, I, I, as Mark was talking, I thought, hmm, this idea that there are more people writing code than there are securities <laughs> lawyers, a lot of people are going to latch onto that and be excited. Mm -hmm. Didn't necessarily expect it to be you, Chris, but Sorry. thanks for the, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> you know, cheap jokes are part of my gambit here, yeah. part of the, keeping it fresh for us. So Mark, you hit on a couple things too, that we often visit on our podcast, market structure issues, kind of those nuts and bolts plumbing ideas, mainly in the equities market is what Kurt and I have talked about in the past, but those ideas bleed you know, well and, and strategically into the, the market structure ideas of the municipal bond area. You know, MSRB has rules relating to the reporting of sales or purchases of municipal securities, which includes provisions for timing, right? Similar to what we might see in the equities market. And specifically speaking, MSRB rule G14 requires brokers and municipal securities dealers to report transactions in those municipal securities within 15 minutes of the time of trade execution. But it has been reported that the board plans to issue a request for comment on a retrospective review of that Rule G14 in hopes of cutting down the 15-minute reporting window. Can we elaborate a bit, Mark, on that potential change and what it might mean for, for the municipal securities world? Absolutely. This is another good example in my mind about how we're trying to modernize our rulebook and to keep pace with a fairly rapidly evolving market. As you noted, we have a rule on the books, MSRB Rule G14, which governs time of trade reporting. This rule has been on the books since 2005, so 17 years this rule has been on the books and hasn't changed. It's a lot of iterations of the iPhone ago, Mark. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So it established back then in 2005, the 15-minute time of trade reporting. So in other words, every single time a municipal bond is bought or sold, that trade must be reported to the MSRB within 15 minutes of the time of trade. What we then do is process that trade and then make it transparent to the market. And the reason why that's so important, of course, is that's where supply meets demand. And in order for you as an investor to know that you're getting the right price for your bond, you need to know where the market is. So this trade reporting system is, is a perfect example of the kind of behind the scenes infrastructure and plumbing that the MSRB provides as a technology solution to the market that helps the market work and run. So there are clearly changes and, and evolutions and advancements that are, that have happened in our market since 2005. As you know, there is no centralized exchange in the municipal securities market or even in fixed income markets more broadly. These securities, muni bonds, corporate bonds, are traded in the OTC market, the over-the-counter market. Now, 15 years ago, most of those bonds were traded by voice trades. So, for instance, if I owned a municipal bond and I wanted to sell it, I would call up my broker and say, I'd like to sell this muni bond and 
more often than not, my broker would call another broker and say, do you want to buy this muni bond? And that voice trading is how muni bonds were traded. We're seeing now the rise of electronic trading happening in the municipal securities market. And, and really, it's part of a broader trend of the electronification of capital markets more broadly. We're seeing ATSs or alternative trading systems arise in the municipal securities market. And there are a number of different ATSs that currently operate in our market. These are electronic trading platforms that allow trading to happen faster and more efficiently. We're also seeing different trends in how investors are accessing our market. You can still buy an individual municipal bond. You can also buy a mutual fund that has a portfolio of bonds. But you can also now buy ETFs that trade more like securities and have intraday pricing. And that has generated a lot of interest in the municipal securities market. And we're seeing more ETFs being launched in our market. And that's also facilitating increased trading as well. So all of these advancements and evolutions in market structure, investor preferences, new products, new platforms, so on and so forth, have really made this the right time for the MSRB to go out for comment and to solicit feedback from the industry around what does real-time trade reporting mean today in 2022. And we're very interested in hearing back from the market around what the opportunities might be, what the benefits would be of shortening that time frame, but also importantly, what the costs and what the challenges might be for the industry to comply with a shortened time reporting framework as well. I think that's a practical view of kind of this changing landscape, you know, that MSRB is dealing with as well as like we talked about the securities markets at large. So I'm, I'm always one for setting expectations at a meaningful level and then hoping to, to meet those along the way. And it sounds like that's where MSRB is, is heading, both as it relates specifically to Rule G14, as well as just changes in, in the structure and, and plumbing of markets, both broadly as well as specific to municipal security. Uh, you know, Mark, one of the things that is uh, sort of weaving through a lot of your comments or the things that you're teaching us about the MSRB and its rulemaking is this this idea of, of transparent markets. I, you know, I think that's true with the potential uh, revisions to Rule G14, right? That's about providing greater or faster transparency. But, you know, going forward, tell us a little bit about how market transparency concerns will shape the MSRB's policy and rulemaking priorities. That's a great question and and market transparency is absolutely top of mind for the MSRB when i think across our strategic goals on the rulemaking front it's really about trying to level the playing field for the industry on the technology front it's really about the plumbing of the markets but when it comes to data that's where we get into market transparency and, and improving the quality of information that we're able to provide to the market 
and and it's in that strategic goal focused on data that we're doing some of our most exciting work with respect to how we envision improving market transparency. So that's a very important area of focus for us and for the industry moving forward. And there's some important challenges with respect to market transparency as well. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the tools that that the MSRB has at its disposal is this proprietary website, the Electronic Municipal Market Access, EMMA, uh, I think is is what you call it at the MSRB. We love a good acronym. We love a good good acronym. Put it on the list. You know, that's where you can go to find all things muni bonds, right? Whether it's what's just traded or at what price. So I think that's important both from a transparency and a technology perspective. But I understand the MSRB is is doing even more to try to sort of improve EMMA as a tool or feature uh, available to the market. And just this year, you launched something called EMMA Labs, which uh, has been described as an innovation sandbox, which, you know, I, I love that idea, where you're trying to encourage transparency enhancements for the market. So we want to hear about Emma Labs, but if you want to give a little more background on Emma, that's great too. I'm very excited about Emma Labs. This is where we are testing out and building the future of market transparency. But thanks to technology advances, we are able to we are building prototypes to leverage new technologies that are able to impose structure on some of the unstructured data that we have. And what that's allowing us to do is actually extract insight from that data for the very first time in many cases. And this to me is the future of market transparency is, is being able to provide high quality data to the market that will allow investors to make informed investment decisions. But to get to do that, we have to unlock the the data, the insight that's trapped in that unstructured data. So let me give you an example of what we're doing in Emma Labs. We've prototyped an advanced search engine. And today, let's say that you were interested in finding a green bond that was issued in DC. In order for you to do that today on Emma, you would actually need to know either the QCIP, the six or nine digit QCIP of of the green bond that you were looking for, or you'd need to know who issued that green bond, the issuer's name. Without either of those pieces of information, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. You won't really be able to get the information that you need. Today, in Emma Labs, we built out this search engine that's using natural language processing and machine learning to allow you to just type in natural language what it is you're looking for. So instead of having to know what the QCIP is of the security that you want to find, or who the issuers is that issued that security, you could just write in plain English who issued green bonds in Washington, D.C. And the answer you'll get is, actually, I did. Back when I was CFO of D.C. Water, you'll find one of the green bonds that I had issued back then to finance some of our green infrastructure and gray infrastructure projects to improve water quality in the District of Columbia. But... That this search engine 
is for our market fairly revolutionary. I know we're probably not supposed to do uh, commercial plugs for other products, but it's kind of like a Google search bar for yeah. munis. Yeah. And, and it's amazing that here we are in 2022 and, and no one has developed this capability yet to be able to just yeah. type in, what is it that you want to know? And you get the answer. Well, we've just built the prototype for this. And the way Emma Labs is structured is our prototypes are called active labs. So this is one of our two active labs that we have currently up and running on Emma Labs. And then we have a section of Emma Labs that we call future labs. So these are ideas for future prototypes that we're thinking about or that market participants are suggesting that we think about building. Emma Labs is open to the public. You're welcome to come onto the site. You do have to register, but registration is free and access is free if you register. And you'll be able to explore these active labs and provide feedback on how to improve them. And you'll also be able to provide us with suggestions on what you think we ought to be prototyping next that would help improve market transparency. So it's a really important way for the MSRB to innovate, to be agile, to really respond directly to market participants and, and to get feedback directly from the market on what is it that you need from us, from either a regulatory standpoint or a technology standpoint, or even from a market transparency standpoint, where are the gaps in information in our market and what can we do to help close those gaps? So Emma Labs to me is, is a really, really exciting platform that we launched earlier this year. You get to take a peek inside our head, so to speak, and, and, and see what we're thinking and what we're doing about the future of market transparency. As an aside, Mark, just are the comments that you're receiving related to the innovation sandbox in Emma Labs, are you getting constructive, you know, meaningful feedback or is this just a, uh, you know, a, a downward spiral into Twitter conversations about municipal securities? <laughs> so I've been super happy because the comments that we've been receiving have been incredibly constructive. Their, their comments like, could you add a filter to your advanced search engine so I could screen out bonds that are issued by states in the Western region or by geography or maybe by size? It would be really helpful if you could have a filter or a screen so I just will see general obligation bonds versus revenue bonds or actually... I just want an industry cut. I'm, I'm a credit analyst that just focuses on transportation. So I don't need to see water utilities and power utilities. And, you know, I just want transport deals. So, you know, can, can you build an enhancement to your search engine that'll just narrow it down? So th these are the types of comments that we've been getting, which have been super helpful, which is why we wanted to create Emma Labs so that we could build a prototype. And then before we make the final investments to to build it out with full functionality, we have this effort to make sure that 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 we're actually 
going to be delivering something of value. And, and the hope and the goal is that once we have a prototype that we feel is ready for prime time, we're then going to make the investment to move it into production. And when it goes into production, the thought is it'll actually be promoted to Emma, our kind of official flagship market transparency platform. So this is almost, I don't want to say it's a beta website because it, it, it really operates on its own and has its own purpose. But this is where we're going to do rapid prototyping. Folks in the technology space say this is where we'll fail fast. I know that some of your listeners might also be kind of concerned to hear a regulator say the words failing fast, but this is this is that innovation sandbox. This is that reg tech sandbox where you're supposed to do rapid prototypes. If they don't work and they fail, you drop it and move on to the next. You get instantaneous feedback from the market on whether you're headed in the right direction or whether you need to pivot. And so that's that's what we're trying to create here. And that's the dynamic that we want to happen within Emma Labs. And since our launch earlier this year, we've been really pleased with the level of engagement. I think probably there's a little bit of self-selection. So if you're actually going to be motivated enough to come in and register, yep. and go into Emma Labs, <laughs> you're, you're probably a power user of, you know, or, or, or a power need, you know, you require a lot of municipal market data mm-hmm. or you need it to do your job. And, and, and so you're, you know, you're kind of motivated because our goal is to be able to provide these solutions to you for free and freely available on our Emma website. And so that I think has created a good incentive for market participants who are truly interested in helping us develop solutions that will improve market transparency. Mark, it sounds like that collaboration with participants or or those interested in municipal securities through Emma Labs has created a great environment for discussion and to solve some of the potential problems or obstacles that, that exist in, in the markets. So I'd expect that you guys are already working on solving one of the hottest topics in our, in our markets right now, ESG, environmental, social, and governance issues. Listeners of the Insecurities Podcast know through many of our episodes, we've talked about ESG in the equity side and the disclosure side. How is ESG impacting the municipal bond market specifically? So we're seeing our market evolve with how it's integrating ESG factors in a number of interesting ways. We're seeing state and local government issuers of municipal bonds labeling their bonds to appeal to sustainable investors. So we're seeing green bonds, social bonds, climate bonds, sustainability bonds, etc. So we're seeing evolving market practices where issuers are labeling their bond deals to appeal to, presumably, to appeal to certain types of investors. We're also seeing capital being allocated specifically towards sustainable investing. And in the last 12 months, there have been launches of two ETFs that are focused exclusively on sustainable investing in the muni space. We're also seeing credit rating agencies starting to incorporate ESG factors either in the underlying credit rating itself of an issuer or putting out a separate ESG score of an issuer. And then finally, 
we're observing that there are data vendors that are selling ESG data products and services in our market. And so really the, the confluence of all of these different dimensions of how we're seeing ESG being integrated in our market means that, in my mind, that the MSRB has a responsibility to stay informed about changes that are happening in our market. And so these, these trends raise a number of important issues that the MSRB needs to understand better. And so to that end, the MSRB had issued earlier this year, actually rather at the end of last year, had issued a request for information asking the market to help inform the MSRB about what's happening with respect to ESG in our market. We asked fairly specific questions to different types of market participants. So for example, for the entities that we regulate, the broker dealers and the municipal advisors, we wanted to know if ESG investing raises any novel or unique compliance challenges for them under our current rules. For example, underwriters of municipal bonds have due diligence requirements with respect to the deals that they underwrite. And we wanted to have a question and hear directly from them, do these types of deals present any compliance challenges for you to fulfill all of your uh, regulatory obligations? For municipal advisors, for example, who are advising state and local governments, we are interested to hear from them, what kinds of advice are you giving your state and local government clients with respect to labeling these deals and with respect to how these deals are pricing in the market? And do they present any challenges for you from a regulatory compliance standpoint? So we had some questions directed at our regulated entities. We also had a series of questions directed to the investors in these types of bonds. And we asked them specifically, is ESG-related information material to your investment decision? And if it is, what is the quality of information that's currently available in the market? And then finally, we asked a set of questions to the issuers themselves, specifically to those who have engaged in the practice of labeling their bond deals, like I did when I was at DC Water. Specifically, why, why are you labeling your bond deal? What are the benefits that you hope to gain by doing that? And what do you see as maybe some of the challenges or the risks or, or the costs for you to label and market your bond deal in that way? So again, just to you know step back, we, we issued this request for information in order to ask the industry to help educate us about what they're seeing in the market with respect to ESG. The, the comment period has closed. It closed earlier this spring, and we're now in the process of reviewing the letters that we received. And, and we got over 50 responses, which, which is a very robust response for us in terms of a request for information. And we expect to issue a report later this summer that would summarize the key themes and the issues that we felt were raised in these, in these public comments. I would note that there appears to be some confusion in the marketplace about what 
we were doing and what our role is and why we issued this request for information. And, and right at the outset, I wanted to note a technical but very important distinction between a RFI, which is a request for information, versus an RFC, which is a request for comment. A, re a request for comment would be when the MSRB proposes a new rule or proposes a rule change, and then we're seeking comment about that regulation. For instance, in the coming months, when we issue our RFC on rule G14 and time of trade reporting, we are going to be proposing to the market an amendment to rule G14, shortening the time of trade requirement. And we are going to be specifically seeking comment back from the industry about that rule change. In contrast, a request for information is just that. Tell us what you're seeing and what you're doing in the market and help get us smarter about how our market's evolving. So there's a little bit of confusion, I think, because some commenters suggested that, that we were engaging in rulemaking and, and that we were on the path to establishing climate risk disclosure requirements for state and local government issuers. And I can assure you and the listeners of the podcast that that is not the case. And I can assure you that it's not the case because we don't have the statutory authority to do that. As I said, up at the very top, a recurring theme is, is you know, one of the unique features of our regulatory framework is that neither the SEC nor the MSRB has the statutory authority to regulate state and local government issuers. But I think that there was some confusion, perhaps, because the SEC did just propose climate risk disclosure requirements mm -hmm. in a proposed rulemaking, but that was limited to public companies, equities, not for municipal securities and not for corporate uh, bonds as well. So I think that there was unfortunately some confusion maybe about what we were doing and why we were trying to do it. And so I hope I, hope I was able to clarify what we were thinking what we were trying to hope and, and hope to accomplish and, and look forward to reviewing all of the responses that we received and, and sharing a final report with the public on what we heard. Yeah, thank you for the the clarifying note. You know, it, it's interesting that while you uh, while you as an organization are getting sort of smarter about things that are happening with respect to ESG, at least in the, the municipal bond market, you are simultaneously doing some things to try to increase transparency in the space. Again, back to you know one of the core principles at the MSRB, because I think there is an awful lot of confusion in the market, in the bond market, in the equities market about you know what are these. ESG criteria that issuers are using to make claims about about their 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 investment product. What are some of the the raters or the ratings? What what do they mean? And when exactly is something fairly described as a green bond or an, an ESG ETF or you know whatever the case may be? Uh, I know that in in Emma, we're coming back. This like sort of ties together everything we've been talking about, Mark. I love it. But so if we go back to Emma, there's now a new tool or feature that will tell people when a new issue is either self-designated or certified as meeting certain ESG criteria. So I, I want you to tell us a, a little bit about that. But but first, I mean, I assume that the MSRB is not sort of 
blessing some ESG, you know, criteria or certification? Absolutely. And, and I appreciate the question. We, we don't want to wait to try to enhance market transparency while we issued the RFI. There was an opportunity in our view to enhance market transparency around these types of transactions. And, and just as you said, we did in, we, we did offer a, what we call an ESG flag that would note that a deal that's coming to market has either been self-labeled by the issuer as a, a green or climate or social bond or and or whether that bond deal carries an independent certification or opinion of, 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 of a second party that the bond meets certain criteria related to ES or, or G. Very importantly, the MSRB did not independently evaluate or judge whether a, a bond was green or not. In fact, we worked with a third-party data vendor who is gathering this information to provide us with a feed of this data so that we can make it transparent on, on Emma, because otherwise you would need to subscribe to that data feed from, from that data vendor. So we're able to provide that data element for free to the public on Emma, and the data vendor itself did not exercise judgment in whether determining whether a bond was green or not. It simply relied on whether the issuer itself labeled its bond as green, climate, or social. So there is no evaluation or determination made by either the MSRB or presumably the, the data vendor with, with that regard. And if the bond deal included a second party opinion or other type of attestation or certification, then it also flagged that as well. So again, I think it's really, you raise a really important question because we're very sensitive to the perception that the MSRB as the financial regulator of this market might be somehow uh, blessing a bond deal as green. That is absolutely not the intent, and that is not the case, and that is, in fact, not what we did with with Emma. We received a lot of comments about that flag across a wide range, some saying, commenters saying, we appreciate it, this is exactly the kind of information that is helpful and you should be providing to the market, and some other comments on the other end of the spectrum that said, actually, this isn't really helpful information. Included also were suggestions about other enhancements that we could make to Emma in the future that might be more valuable or might also add value. Things such as creating email alerts anytime one of these types of deals come to market or if there are independent certifications or second party opinions that become available maybe you could flag that in a certain way so that it's easier to get that information. So Again, I think, I think we not only received constructive feedback about what would be valuable to the market with respect to ESG-related information, I think that it demonstrates to me the level of interest here is that there is a gap in information related to ESG in our market, and we 
have a role in helping to fill that gap. Mark, noting your focus on the gap in transparency about ESG, one of those ESG kind of tangential topics is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And MSRB is actually, you know, walking the talk as as you all have recently issued a diversity statement. You know, what is the MSRB's role with respect to DEI generally, you know, both noting the statement and your role in the market? I believe that DEI is core to our values and to our mission and to who we are as a regulator. It's also embedded within another one of our strategic goals under the public trust umbrella. And as a financial regulator that's charged by Congress with protecting the public interest, we think it's very, very important that we both reflect the diversity of the communities that we serve and also that we foster diversity and inclusion in the industry that we regulate. So we at the MSRB are approaching DEI both internally as well as externally. And externally, I wanted to just share a couple of examples with you about the types of initiatives that we have underway and that we intend to be launching with respect to DEI and and furthering our strategic goal of of enhancing public trust in this market. We've partnered with FINRA. So another example of maybe how a different dimension of how regulators might collaborate and, and, and work together. We've partnered with FINRA's Racial Justice Task Force to examine MWBE firm participation in the municipal securities market. There's another example that I wanted to share, which is under the umbrella of professional qualifications. So part of the MSRB's statutory mandate is to establish the professional qualifications of the individuals that work in this industry. So you may be familiar with the Series 52 or 53 exams if if you're a securities professional. The MSRB also administers the Series 50 and the 54 exams that are geared towards municipal advisors. There's a number of um, securities exams that the MSRB is responsible for to establish professional qualifications to do business in this industry. As part of that, we are preparing to launch an initiative to examine our test bank of questions to make sure that there aren't systemic biases in our questions. You know, we think that's the right thing to do and and the fair thing to do and that it will result in a better examination. And that's just another example of, of, of how DEI is really core in my view, not only to our values, but also to our mission as a regulator and to create a more fair and a more efficient market. One one final um, example that I just wanted to share with you with respect to DEI is with respect to proposed new rules that the MSRB will be proposing in, in the future, we are planning to add a specific question asking for comment on whether the proposed rule would create any unintended uh, consequences or create undue burdens on on minority firms. 
or any other type of firm for that matter, perhaps a smaller firm versus a larger firm, uh, a firm that's focused in one business area versus another business area. So it's a it's a type of question that's really meant to elicit feedback on undue burdens that are that and unintended consequences from our rules that we want to make sure that we have an opportunity to hear directly from market participants about that as well. So I think all of these things are important for the MSRB to do its job as a regulator. And, and I think we are now with the launch of the very first diversity statement in our history that I'm very proud of being much more intentional and thoughtful about how we're thinking about the issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion and, and how they relate to our mission and, and how they relate to our rules. Yeah, I, I think it is obviously important, and I'm glad that you are, you know, sort of taking a leadership position and, and putting the statement out there, sort of pro- projecting the, those values to the market, so that hopefully, you know, people will people will benefit throughout the marketplace from you know some of the things that that you're doing at the MSRB. So I think it's an important topic for us to discuss today, and, and a good way to to end our conversation with you, Mark. People can of course go on the website and, and find the statement and read a little bit more about what you're doing there. But you know, thank you for your leadership in the space. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Insecurities Podcast, and a special thanks to our guest, Mark Kim of MSRB. As always, we want to hear from you regarding your thoughts, comments, and topics for discussion on future episodes of Insecurities. Please use the hashtag InsecuritiesPod on Twitter or LinkedIn to join the conversation. You can find me at CPA, And I'm at Enforce underscore Update. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Insecurities Podcast wherever you listen. Be well, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Insecurities, a podcast from PLI, the Practicing Law Institute. PLI is a nonprofit provider of authoritative professional services training and continuing education. In an increasingly complex business environment where intricate corporate structures reign, insecurities can help you make sense of it all. A special thanks goes to the producer of Insecurities, Daniel Pinitz, as well as hosts Chris Ekimoff and Kurt Wolf. For more information about PLI's SEC Institute or to view hundreds of hours of fresh and relevant on-demand programming covering changes within the security sector, visit pli.edu membership and sign up for a privileged membership. These recorded materials are designed for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal, audit, tax, consulting, business, financial, investment, or other professional advice, and it does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please consult a qualified professional advisor before taking any action based on the information herein. Furthermore, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual participants. These views are not the views of the hosts or their employers. Users of this podcast may save and use the podcast only for personal or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use, including without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing of this podcast may be made without the prior written permission from PLI. PLI.